the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL.com and on the WFIL application. Downloadable free from WFIL.com. Just slap it on your smartphone or tablet and carry us with you wherever you go. Even if for now that's pretty much around the house, still convenient to carry the station all over the house. And hopefully you're getting out and about every now and again and responsibly reintegrating into the culture. I try to do as much stuff as I can that's allowed just for some sense of normalcy. Maybe a little drive through here, go out and have a catch, place a wiffle ball, take in some sunshine. We've had beautiful weather, of course, recently. Today, not bad either. A little cooler, but we'll take the sunshine. Uh, getting cloudy eventually, more so toward tonight. 62 the high for today, 47 the low this evening. Tomorrow's supposed to be on the cloudy side, and a few showers expected. And a high of 54. Looking forward to having a very special guest this hour. His name is Jeff Hainan, and he has written a book called An Uncommon Guide to Retirement. Uh, finding God's Purpose for the Next Season of Life and Retirement. There's lots of thoughts about what it is and what it isn't. Is it one big eternal vacation, a string of Saturdays, one after the other? Is it a situation where uh, you know it means different things to different people? Do you have enough funds saved up, perhaps, to actually retire? Do you need to keep working? And Jeff's going to dig into some of those questions, and we'll talk about that. We'll have some copies to give away. In fact, may I say that I don't think there's been a point in uh, WFIL's history where we have had more stuff to give away through the Rewards Club. It's on our website. It's our Listener Loyalty Club. It's totally free to join. And if you poke your head in there now, you will see a plethora, which is a vocabulary word I remember from eighth grade, a plethora of prizes that you could win. And uh, in fact, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, I've lost track of how many prizes there are. We've had that many. And I'm glad about that. I'm glad that we can have things for folks to do, especially when the pace of life is perhaps shifted downward a bit. Folks have less going on or a little more confined. And especially not just to give you something to do, but something that's going to encourage you. I'll give you one example. Right now, Love Worth Finding, which is a ministry that airs at 6 o'clock each weekday, has uh, with Dr. Adrian Rogers. Been on for years. Um, Great man of God. He went to be with the Lord some years ago, but the message that he shares is just timeless and, uh, and hits you right between the eyes if you've ever listened. He has not one, not two, but three free downloads right now. They're three booklets which share principles and wisdom to build a godly home. One is called It Takes Family. One's called How to Raise Godly Children. And the third one, God's Plan for the Man. Those are three free downloads. You can have them. Your friends can have them. Anybody can have them. Just let them, you know, let your friend know. Go to the site and get their own copy. Uh, welcome to do that. 
Love Worth Finding with Adrian Rogers is uh, you know, courtesy of those folks at WFIL.com. That's one of, I'm going to guess it's 13 or 14 different kinds of things you can either have for free or enter to win. Kind of down the middle there, we normally would give you a quick sports update around this time near the bottom of the hour. Not a lot of sports happening. I think baseball is opening. It's opening day in South Korea today or something. Not quite like the Phillies home opener we'd be following if the Phillies had been in action a few weeks back. But we do have something at least to give you a little, if you're a sports kind of person, something along those lines with the Philly Sports Survey. We've had it up for a while and we leave it up for a while because the prize for it is a book called This Day in Philadelphia Sports. And if you win a copy, you can go to an individual day and see whatever highlight or low light happened on that day in Philadelphia, specifically Philadelphia sports history. One of the things we want to do with our station and with this program is to be as local as we can be. We certainly have authors and guests from a national level, international even, but hey, we're in Philadelphia. We want to speak to that, including with our contests. And so the Philly Sports Survey does that. It's fun. It asks you some basic questions like, who's your favorite Philadelphia athlete of all time. Maybe, you know, you go back in the day and you're thinking uh, the Phillies, Del Ennis or Chuck Klein way back when. Perhaps you're a Steve Carlton or Mike Schmidt kind of guy or gal. Maybe you're more in the, uh, for some reason, you know, in the 90s teams. Uh, you, you like the Lenny Dykstra or Pete Incavelia, Inky, or some of those guys on that 93 team, Darren Dalton, or maybe on the, the J- Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley. Uh, Brian Howard, Shane Victorino era, whatever. Lots to pick from. No right or wrong answer. You just throw your vote in there. Uh, maybe you don't like baseball at all and you're a, football, you're a football fan. You like Carson Wentz. Whatever it is, you put your vote in there. And then there's some other questions like if you could have ever been at one game in your lifetime, what would it have been? Maybe you were there. Uh, I still, for me, I actually am grateful that I was at both Phillies World Series clinching games in 1980. When I was 12, I was in the right field nosebleed seats with my dad, remembering Tug McGraw striking out Willie Wilson. My arms are up in the air as a 12-year-old. It's like the prime of life where you're you know, aware, aware enough of the talent of the players and you can appreciate the game, but you're still a kid. And just to be with my dad was an amazing experience I'll never forget. I had another experience uh, in 2008. I was able to be at the World Series when the Phillies beat the Rays in Game 5. And... Uh, my wife was with me and our two sons. So very special. Blessed I was there for it. A lot of times, you know, I was not at the Eagles Super Bowl, watched it on TV. That would have been something too. So whatever it is, maybe it's not a championship. Maybe it's an individual game. So you get the idea. You have fun with it. There's no right or wrong answer. And just for taking time to do that, you're entered automatically to win that book this day in Philadelphia sports, plus a WFIL ball cap, which you'll need soon with summer coming and a gift card to Rita's. So it's a nice win, that Rita's gift card, courtesy of Briner Chevrolet in Jenkintown. So that's just a couple of the things that are going on that are fun to do and could win you some pretty cool prizes. And the good news is even there are more coming. So help yourself. Get in the Rewards Club if you're not part of it. Again, it's free to do. takes a minute. And then it makes it easy to enter all of these contests. WFIL.com is where you go for that. So that said, have a quick break. I want to bring in author Jeff Hainan in a moment. Uh, I do want to also kind of just throw at uh, this out there because we haven't done it for a while. And I'm not really sure why, uh, but we, us- we usually give gift cards away through the text line. So if you would like to win a gift card, 
to uh, Rita's or Panera or Wawa or Dunkin'. We have those courtesy of Brian and Chevrolet in Jenkintown. Something simple, just $5.60, enough for you to get a hoagie or a couple of coffees and a donut. But our way of saying thank you for listening, and we like to give lots of those away, send a quick text to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. Just put your name in there and your preference. You can abbreviate DD for Duncan. Well, actually, they're just going by Duncan now in a lot of places, so the letter D will be okay. Or W, w for Wawa, you know, make it clear, but uh, we'll put you in the mix. And uh, one last thing for you. If we don't happen to draw your name today, we still might draw your name tomorrow or next week or next month. That's called our hat of perpetual winning. We want you to feel like when you're entering a contest, even if you don't win now, you still have a chance. Like it's not a waste of time. So every now and again, we'll dip into the hat to make a prize and you'll come home a month from now or three months from now and there'll be something in your mailbox just because, you. oh, I entered a contest before and now I got this. It wasn't what I entered for, but here's something else. That's cool. So that's just one way of wanting to connect and enjoy the fact that we have an audience and that uh, we have a station here and hopefully we're being a blessing in different ways. One last time, 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. If you want to win a gift card, we'll draw some winners at the end of the program. It's Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com and the WFIL app. You're listening to a podcast of the Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. It's 413, the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for hanging out. We bring in our guest now, author of the book, An Uncommon Guide to Retirement, Finding God's Purpose for the Next Season of Life. His name is Jeff Hainan. Jeff, how you doing, man? Very good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. The book, on An Uncommon Guide to Retirement, Finding God's Purpose for the Next Season of Life. And uh, it's, a, it's a topic that I'm sure there are a number of books on, but yours is uncommon in a good way. Starting with, if I may say, your press photo appears to be that you're younger than what most folks would say retirement age. Am I correct about that? Yes, I'm slightly younger than retirement age. So okay. I learned this. I, I, I uh, wrote this book out of a desire to understand and to serve uh, and actually as a projection of what this could look like, too, for uh, people that are thinking about this further down the road, yeah, like myself. Yeah, a lot of times I guess folks will write a book after they've gone through something or even a season of something, and then they, they continue on in that season. But it's a kind of forward thinking as well. But you mentioned the word help, too, which comes up a lot in, in the book, the idea of service and, and the purpose of life, including the retirement years, whatever those years may be. Am I, am I correct about that? Oh, uh, yeah. So the big idea of the book, the uncommon part of it, is that, you know, the most common vision of retirement is moving into uh, a never-ending vacation. Uh, and I think what I what I decided to do with this book, actually after listening to quite a few people about this, is think of a broader vision of what that could look like, especially inside the Christian story. And so instead of go to the vision of, you know, you should never retire, I actually think the, the scriptures are a little more nuanced than that. Uh, and what we talk about in the book really is um, uh, understanding retirement as the season of rest, renewal, and reengagement as elders in our society. Jeff Hainan is our guest. The book is called An Uncommon Guide to Retirement, Finding God's Purpose for the Next Season of Life. Um, was there anything in particular that led uh, you to you know start to craft this book in particular, especially because it's very diverse? There's a lot of different sources you draw from, a lot of stories, a lot of quotes. So it obviously took a lot of work to put that together, unless that's how you tend to think anyway, and just to, you know, pl- and still would be a lot of work, but maybe your mind thinks that way too. 
Uh, yeah, you know, I think more of a journalist than somebody that's trying to understand and learn. Uh, but it did have both sort of a cultural uh, interest in it, but also a very personal one. On the personal side, it was actually seeing my own parents move through retirement. Uh, hmm. My dad, Greg, and uh, his wife, Gail, uh, moved to inter- moved to Alexandria, Minnesota, and they have a small restaurant in there, and they're trying to figure out what does retirement look like uh, right now as he stepped down from his uh, advertising role in the career there. And my mom had been retired for a while from a public school teacher position. Uh, and for a long time, trying to figure out, I'm not, I don't want to go back to the stress and difficulty of what I experienced, uh, uh, though she did love being a teacher. Uh, but she did want to figure out what is a bigger vision, like what could this look like? And there weren't a lot of good answers. There weren't a lot of good models for what retirement looked like, especially as people of Christian faith. So I really wrote it out of that personal, that personal story. Couple of the uh, the books, I mean, not a couple of the books. The, the couple main ways you break the book down: part one, renewal; part two, wisdom. Uh, let's talk talk about part one for a moment. There's again under part one, there's four main areas: there's culture, Sabbath, calling, and work. And in the culture part, I guess there is that whole I don't know if you call it historical thinking about retirement is well. Now I'm done working, and now I'm, it'll be leisure, whatever that looks like. It, can you talk about the kind of what, why that mindset perhaps existed and how the world is changing and maybe how that's not going to quite cut it anymore? Yeah, sure. So retirement really is a new, it's a modern idea. You don't find it in the Bible because it's, it really wasn't, our idea of retirement wasn't there. Uh, but it really started uh, in some ways in Prussia in late uh, 1800s, but really in America it was popularized after World War II. Uh, with a guy named Del Webb. Uh, he started a large, essentially the first retirement community called Sun City right outside of Phoenix, Arizona. And they really popularized this idea of retirement as a year-round vacation, complete with, uh, you know, real estate, um, golf courses, pools, uh, home theaters. It really wasn't there until Del Webb really popularized it. And they didn't know what kind of feedback they were going to get uh, when they opened this up really in the 60s, um, but they got enormous interest. And so this actually created this market for people going to now what you see right in Florida, Arizona, other states for thinking about this is what retirement looks like. So even past the retirement community sort of thing, it really popularized the idea moving then into people saving for retirement, preparing for retirement, thinking about you're going to retire at this age, how much money do you need? It really was then solidified by the financial services industry because this is the main premise why a lot of money goes into into stock market, right, into mutual funds, right. is because people are saving for retirement. And so it got popularized, but then it also got really institutionalized in sort of uh, everybody's thinking about how to save retirement. Um, and it really got built around this idea of the retirement lifestyle and this, uh, you know, you work uh, all these years and these painful labor. Well, now it's time to spend some time on you. So yeah. that's really how it started in America. Yeah. Jeff Hainan's our guest. For those just tuning in, Tim DeMoss show on WFIL in Philadelphia. The book he's written is called An Uncommon Guide to Retirement, Finding God's Purpose for the Next Season of Life. It really is, um, depending on when you're born, how old you are, an interesting uh, word to consider. Uh, you know, like you said, it's not in the Bible or you work this long and then at this point you stop working very much or you take, you know, just do hobbies or something. Or And, and, and if you're not careful, your mind can start thinking that is how it's supposed to be somehow that you're supposed to, you know, have. And they only, do you find it when people you talk to it puts pressure on actually when you're younger? Like, I got to make sure I get enough done in time to retire or, or earn enough money before I stop or 
part of your, your your culture section even says I can't afford a vacation. So that 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 enters into people's mindset about retirement too. Yeah, and I think whether you're you know later in life, like thinking about retirement right now, or you're you're a little younger, like I am, uh, about in the middle of my career. Um, there is that pressure, uh, especially with a lot of the economic pressures that people feel in the day-to-day, not only because we're now moved into this economic downturn that we're seeing all around, but even very younger people like millennials or Gen Z thinking about the, how much they're going to have to save with sort of people living longer than ever, trying to hit these crazy goals If everybody has to save $2 million or $3 million, which very few people actually hit. There is a lot of that pressure. There is a lot of that, oh, my goodness, if I don't do this, then what? which drives actually, in my view, uh, even more frantic work, even longer hours, maybe even taking jobs that we wouldn't otherwise feel called to do, but we really feel like we've got we to gotta hit those numbers. And so there is a little bit of the, the sort of artificial, I have to keep on, I have to keep working, you know, almost crazy hours to be able to form this vision that, that maybe we actually haven't even questioned enough in the first place. Jeff Hainan's our guest. An Uncommon Guide to Retirement is the book, Finding God's Purpose, for the next season of life. Quick break. We'll keep our conversation going here with more in just a moment on AM560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Thanks for listening in today. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560, WFIL, and WFIL.com. It's 424 on the Tim DeMoss Show. Just a quick reminder, if you want to win a gift card to Duncan or Panera or Rita's or Wawa, courtesy of Brian or Chevrolet in Jenkintown, send a quick text to 610-500-3683. We'll make some winners at the end of the program. Simple little thing, $5.60, enough for you to get a sandwich or some uh, donuts or a couple of coffees and just have a chat with a friend, and uh, we'll mail that out to you. But get yourself in the running by sending a text. We'll again make some winners, several 610 500 3683. Our guest this hour is named uh, Jeff Hainan, and the book we're talking about is called An Uncommon Guide to Retirement Finding God's Purpose for the Next Season of Life. One of the things you do talk about and have throughout the book are these boxes. We could talk about a gray box that says common and uncommon in keeping with your title. And in this section that we're just talking about now, part one, renewal culture, you have common, one Christian perspective on retirement, uh, never retire, keep working versus uncommon, restore a balance of work, rest, and service that matures over a lifetime. Maybe share about that a little bit too and, and the whole common, uncommon box that you, that you like to put through, uh, boxes yeah. you put through. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Thanks. Um, so I structured the first half of the book in thinking about a rhythm of what might Scripture say to this uh, this sort of social construct that we call retirement that we're moving into, and then rather the, the vision of this never-ending vacation, or rather this vision of always keep working and sort of work till you croak, which actually I found is very unappealing for 99% of the people that I talk to as well. Right. I think the uncommon vision is restoring this balance of work, rest, and service that matures over a lifetime. So I structure the book in terms of, first, let's pause and think about the culture of retirement and what are the messages of what is a good life. Second, I talked a little bit about Sabbath rest uh, and really question this idea of whether what we need is never-ending vacation whether we need deep internal rest, because I do find a lot of people, they work in careers, they work in fields, maybe they didn't prefer, didn't want to in the first place, and they need to rest, both spiritually, even sometimes physically as well. 
And I think this idea of Sabbath rest rather than vacation is uh, is important. Uh, and it really sets the structure then for uh, calling. And I talk about calling not so much in terms of finding your ideal job, but the calling really of a listening posture to what God wants us to do in the season. And I think there's a lot of freedom uh, in that. There could be going back to work after a season of sabbatical rest, right? It could be going back to work full-time. It could be part-time. If you have the financial means, it could be volunteering. It could be working, you know, with your local church. Or maybe, you know, you're a grandma and you've got eight grandkids, you know, and that really is your sense of boundness of your calling. What I think is important, though, is that whatever those whatever those pathways forward are, they look a lot like neighbor love. They look a lot like service to others and the self-giving love to others in sort of the day-to-day life, and they don't look like uh, constant entertainment, right? Constant spending on what I'm what I'm going to do to please myself right now in this season of life. I think that really is the uncommon vision that the scriptures give us. Jeff Hanen's our guest. He's written this book called "An Uncommon Guide to Retirement." Uh, finding God's purpose for the next season of life. And uh, part one is called Renewal. Part two of the book is called Wisdom. And in part one, in the culture section, and you started to go into two, three, and four, the rest of that first half, um, on page 30, I think you quoted the founder of the AARP and mentioning that uh, the motto for AARP is to serve, not to be served, and then go on to say retirement needs a new story, or better yet, a very old story. And the word service is, is huge, and you've been touching on, on that. Um, really something we could be doing our whole lives. Don't have to wait till we're getting near retirement to start thinking that way. Yeah, that's right. This is something that, you know, to serve others through our daily life, this is something that we never retired from, right? The, what I do talk about in the book, though, is that I think there does need to be a real acknowledgement of the maturing of that, because... I don't think scriptures say that the 20-year-olds, should their life should look exactly like the 60-year-olds or the 70-year-olds. You yeah. do see this idea of an elder, of a person, and there's this passage in Numbers that talks about um, retirement. It's the only barely a biblical reference, really, in the Bible about retirement, but it's the Levites, that they would lay down the hard work of hauling around the tabernacle, the physical work, but they would still minister to their brothers and sisters in the tent of the meeting. They'd still do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really moving to a place of an elder that's bringing wisdom and blessing to the next generation, sharing what they've learned, and still serving, but it looks a little different. And I really think, you know, when we have that word elder, well, sometimes we think about it in like a New Testament elder in a church context, or we think about it in terms of um, elderly, uh, which is yeah. probably one of the biggest insults <laughs> you can give somebody. It's right. about frailty, you know, or, or, or the challenges of life, right? Uh, I actually think this idea of elder is really important uh, for retirement, people of wisdom and blessing and really leadership in really uh, challenging times like we see ourselves in right now. It was interesting to think that the founder, you know, again, it's American Association of Retired Persons, that the motto would be to serve, not to be served. It's the complete opposite of the vacation mentality. What cruise can I go on? And, and to clarify, then we're not saying that those things are inherently wrong, but the, maybe the lifestyle, the mindset, that's where I'm headed with it. Uh, hey, I guess if you can do it, but even then, you still want to be living wherever you're living, whatever you're doing, you know, bl- blessing other people, hopefully as part of that. Maybe take someone with you on the cruise, not just I'm going on cruise after cruise, for example. Um, but anyhow, I, I on that topic, it, just, it was very interesting. Was, were you surprised when you learned of that motto for uh, that, that athlete? Was it Andrews, is her last name, who had put that in there? Yeah, Athlete Percy Andrews. Yeah, ARP. You look at that, um, she was an interesting person, but... 
there was uh, underneath the surface, but there was a still like strong Christian motivation to this. She had worked in education, and actually, if you even look at other organizations that were started really early half of the 20th century, like uh, like a Rotary Club, uh, like the guy who started Rotary, you know, was reading uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and he baked a lot of these things into these large organizations. Hmm. So the the the. The fact that, you know, you've seen culture just secularize a lot, right, in the last 50, 60 years. Right. The fact that we see that is it, we do need to go to a little bit of recovery of what was the main motivation in this before, because there wasn't—the idea of retirement, even a social safety net and social security, this was a new deal when a lot of people were really struggling. So I'm not saying that this is necessarily bad to have this opportunity and actually to make sure that people don't fall through. But we do need to say, hey, I am here given to for the sake of me being able to give again to others. That life of service, the people, you know, that are really doing retirement well, there's a there's a psalm that I quote in the Bible. It's a, uh, it says this, the righteous who flourish like the palm tree grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They still bear fruit in old age. They're ever full of sap and green. Mm. I think the people that are doing retirement well, they're thinking, what does it mean to bear fruit now? Like if I'm going on the vacation, could I be intentional with a grandkid, right? Yes. <laughs> and really say, I want to pour in to my grandkid's life because for all of us, no matter our age, time is limited. And I, I think that intentionality is sometimes lacking. Jeff Hainan's our guest. The book is called An Uncommon Guide to Retirement, Finding God's Purpose for the Next Season of life. We'll keep our conversation going in a couple of moments here. Quick check on the forecast. Some sunshine still. The balance of the afternoon getting increasingly cloudy. 62 the high for today. 47 or so the low night. Tomorrow cloudy. A few showers possible. High 54. Uh, quick note for you. Tomorrow what's today? <laughs> Lose track, right? Uh, today's Tuesday. Friday, just a peek in the head a little bit. Dennis Prager is going to join us. He's from our sister station, Philadelphia's AM 990, The Answer, a conservative news talk station. And he is a co-host of that new, new, uh, new sorry, No Safe Spaces, easy for me to say, a documentary with Adam Carolla we've been talking about. So he'll shed some insight into that. If you want to check out the film, nosafespaces.com is where you go. It was the number one political documentary of last year, not available on Amazon Prime or uh, Netflix. They won't carry it which is ironic because it's all about free speech and how our foundation, uh, foundational American values have come under attack and how you can fight back. Uh, Carolla and Prager, they travel the whole country. They interview a lot of folks, politically, uh, cultural figures on both sides of the uh, proverbial aisle and uh, you know, features Tim Allen, uh, Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, Alan Dershowitz, a wide variety, and uh, students on college campuses with Isabella Chow from UC Berkeley on with us last Thursday. Love talking to her. Podcast that's on our website at WFIL.com. So, um, but the main idea is that despite people coming from very different political views, that the idea of, hey, America is exceptional, but um, there are some folks who want you to basically not talk and, uh, and keep your opinion to yourself and uh, how America's, uh, again, come under attack in a lot of ways. So it's a serious topic, but it's done in an entertaining way. And uh, I think you'll appreciate the film. NoSafeSpaces.com is where you can find out more about that. All right. So there you go. And again, this Friday, Dennis Prager from that film, who goes to co-host, is going to be joining us on the afternoon show. Quick break. We'll keep our conversation going with Adam Hainan here on WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons, 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 4.37 on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. 
610-500-DOVE, our text line, 610-500-3683. Send your name, and if you'd like to win a gift card to Duncan, Panera, Rita's, or Wawa, courtesy of Brian or Chevrolet in Jenkintown, $5.60 hoagie or uh, coffee or donuts or whatever it might be, or water ice as the weather gets uh, nicer. And it's actually pretty nice. Uh, help yourself. You get yourself in the mix. We'll draw several winners at the end of the program. But for now, continue our chat with Jeff Hainan, author of the book, An Uncommon Guide to Retirement, Finding God's Purpose for the Next Season of Life. You mentioned the word Sabbath a moment ago. That kind of the first important step to segue perhaps from the, the day-to-day grind of working to whatever will come next. Share about what that first important step would actually look like, why they would take it, and uh, and how a person would maybe plan for something like that. What does it look like? Yeah, in the book I talk about the idea and the importance of Sabbath, a sort of a Sabbath paradigm, paradigm for early retirement rather than vacation. Why Sabbath? Vacation really is, think of that word vacation, it's about vacating our life. You know, you go, you, maybe you're in Mexico, and you think about trying to get away from your life. Right. But Sabbath really isn't that at all. The reasons for Sabbath are to restore uh, a deep heart of trust in God's provision for our life, especially in difficult times like this. I think it's really central. It's also about identity. The ancient Israelites would celebrate Sabbath, you know, and even one of the Sabbath commands says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. If they remember that they were freed by God himself to be a certain kind of people, and I think Sabbath can really do that. And then third, there's, I think, aspects of justice. talks about people in, in your house resting, even your cattle, like even your servants and your cattle, it talks about in the commandment hmm. to rest and to really restore communities as well. Um, what I talk about in the book is I challenge people to think about a Sabbath season or a sabbatical, which a lot of academics or like pastors have done, but the vast majority of people have never had the opportunity to take three months or six months or 12 months of really deep rest. And in the book, I, I lay out some ideas of what this could look like, um, because it's not twiddling your thumbs and sort of waiting you know, for nothing to happen, but there are good things to do. There's feasting, there's celebration, there's worship. You could do recreation in terms of recreating and paying attention to the internal narratives of your heart, remembering God's good gifts to us uh, over a career. There are a lot of these things that we can do in a sabbatical season that really conditions the heart to then fully step into the next season of life. That was the idea of the subtitle of the book right. that says, wow, this is this is what God is calling me to right now. I think if if we want to really hear God's voice, we have to slow down enough to listen rather than, you know, what's my next plan for doing something great? Like, we need to listen before we before we go back into the world and serve. And so the thought process might be, well, again, the factors will vary, but maybe a few months or six months or up to a year or like kind of a, a window for people to think, this is what I'm going to do. I want to plan. I want to have a start date. I want to have a projected end date. I, I, this is an intentional plan, not just a kind of a vague feeling. Right. I mean, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. And the people that write it down, that do it with other communities, that develop some of these nine practices that I, that I put in the book, and they do that during this time. And it is for the sake of particular listening and then removing back into some kind of committed service. And again, I, that could be work. It could be part time, full time. It could be, uh, you know, caring for, you know, a sick uh, uncle. I mean, it could be a lot of different things. Right. Yeah. But it is with the idea of the Sabbath is over and now it's, and now we're we're moving back into a season of committed service right that's how i see work is committed service yeah and i think that that it really is i mean you get this from leviticus 25 it's sabbath the land 
for one year out of every seven, and after that one year, they would go back and harvest again. They, they'd go back and plant and harvest. And I think that's a rhythm to think about Sabbath, not only in terms of one day of rest, but potentially seasons of rest and reengagement. Yeah, and uh, you also, as you kind of continue along that part one lineage or line there, you have the word calling, which interestingly enough, um, and, and that's one of your gray boxes, common and un- uncommon, common saying discerning your calling involves a skills inventory or job search, uncommon, Discerning your calling is to move outward toward the majesty of God in a lifetime of service to him, which is what you were just saying. I remember in in high school, my Bible teacher clarified for us, he says, people use the word career, and he says, but you're a Christian, you should be using the word calling, he's telling the class, which is different, right? Because people think about what's your career, what are you going to school for, and they think of it and what they're going to be doing, and and it lines up with the word career. Even the fact that the word calling is in your book, I think, is, you know, really on the right track for people to remember there's a big difference between and, – and you've getting this too, like what do I want to do? What am I passionate about? What do I love? Not that those things are wrong, but just because just cause you uh, love something doesn't mean you're called right now to pursue it, maybe later, maybe yeah. not at all, right? Yeah, I think that's really important. I think so much of the career stuff, like you even get that career and calling kind of put together. You know, this is usually 20-year-old. But even you see this in a lot of classes for people that are in retirement, and they're really about – what I personally want the most. But I I really think the center of Christian faith is dying to self and being alive to God. And God may call you into the most satisfying thing, but you may find your great satisfaction in doing something difficult or painful because it's done for God and for the Mm. well-being of others. Yeah. Right? So that could look, that could look in a lot of different ways, but I think Bonhoeffer was called to stand up against the Nazis and he ended up dying for it. I don't, I don't think he would have said, this is my passion. As he was, you know, you're writing letters and papers from prison from a jail cell, but he he was quite clear that this is what he was supposed to do. And I think people that look at even the needs of the world, especially a difficult time, they think, "Wow, I am implicated in the way this world goes." If God so loved the world, and if I love Him, then I too must be engaged in what's happening around. And that again is much more of that an externally focused God and neighbor rather than kind of what I want to do in my biggest passion. Yeah. And and it's, this is something also uh, for those just tuning in, Jeff Hanen's our guest book is called an uncommon guide to retirement, finding God's purpose for the next season of life. The work aspect, which kind of wraps up the first half of the book, common work is just something you do until you make enough money. Uncommon work is inherently good and a way we reflect the image of God. And it, you know, it just, re- it keeps coming through. Like here's kind of how it may be, normally perceived. And in some parts, it's like, oh, I can see that. But really, you're trying to draw people back to the heart of God and why we're here in the first place so that your life, whether you are entering those retirement years or you're in them right now, and maybe you're still kind of bumping around the dark, not sure how to where to go, or when you're much younger, these are still wise words to call us back to rethink what does the culture say? What have you maybe been taught versus what does the Bible actually say or not say about some of these things? And work, the fact that it's inherently good frees you up, I would think, to say, you know what, I don't have to like feel badly if I want to keep working, or if I do keep working, uh, it's a good thing, but I want to have be sure I'm doing it in, in, in honor, uh, reflecting God's image, and I want to do it in a way that's part of what he's calling me to do. So the truth about work being inherently good and dispelling the, the myth that God said somewhere in the Bible you're supposed to retire once your Social Security check is on its way, like, where did that come from? So, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah, it's a good word. And I think when you think about this, you know, maybe it is a volunteer role, right? Uh, 
But it actually might be, and this is the real challenge about reengaging work later in life. Sometimes there's the ageism, but sometimes you're going to have all this career uh, of skills and talents. But then if you want to say work part time, our culture doesn't really have good roles for deeply experienced people, but working part time. Those are oftentimes uh, entry level roles. So there's this kind of awkwardness in thinking about even working long term with the exception of people that are self-employed or consultants or whatever it might be. Yeah. But, you know, I was at, I was at a, the Einstein Bagels, and this woman, Joanne, was serving me, and she was in her, you know, late 60s. And I go up to her, and I say, how are you doing this morning? She's like, oh, pretty good. And I'm like, thanks for serving me these bagels. And I noticed that um, she was of retirement age, and I asked her, you know, if she opened. She's like, oh, I'm too old to open hmm. this morning. Like, and like so they don't give that got, job to her? That's a, that's well, a, well, she said that she doesn't get there at 5, but she gets there at 6.30. I'm like, yeah, but you're here at 6.30. That's amazing. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. And it was interesting. She says, you know what? My husband's golfing, but what I really like is the relationships. I like being here for the relationships. Hmm. And that was one of those real pangs and difficulties of people in retirement is loneliness. And a lot of the entertainment is to try to find people not to be so lonely because work was a community. So it's not only thinking about work in terms of service to public good, it's also thinking about the people that we live around and that we work with and that we know. I think work has a lot of value to a real fulfilling life in a lot of different kind of uh, contexts. We're chatting with Jeff Hainan. He's author of the book, An Uncommon Guide to Retirement, Finding God's Purpose for the Next Season of Life. We'll keep our chat going here in just a moment. One more time, a reminder, if you want to jump in and perhaps win a gift card, uh, to Duncan or Wawa or Rita's or Panera, send a text with six to, uh, to 610-500-DOVE. 610-500-3683. It's courtesy of Brian Chevrolet in Jenkintown. We uh, will make several winners when the program wraps up. Back with uh, more in just a moment. Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. It's 450 on the Tim DeMoss Show. Continue our chat with Jeff Hainan, author of the book, An Uncommon Guide to Retirement, Finding God's Purpose for the Next Season uh, of Life. How do you see what a person did for a living, perhaps earlier in life, affecting retirement like uh, the work, uh, you know, might have been a prof- might have been professional white collar type thing versus a, a manual laborer or something like that. So as they're heading toward retirement, maybe the perspectives of what they're hoping it will be will be very different. Yeah, it, so it depends a lot. It depends a lot. I know it's kind of nuanced, but it really does. If somebody really enjoyed their work, and you know, if they were a journalist, and they would have been a journalist no matter what, and they, they're just going to probably keep on writing a little bit in retirement. That's what it's going to look like. But you know, I have this illustration in here of a, a journalist actually, and his dad worked in a in a factory that processed fish oil, and he came home every night stinking like fish oil. <laughs> it's not like. No. Every, it's not like he, in retirement, went to his basement to just stir up a batch of fish oil just to keep busy. Ah, right? good smell. Ah, it's so good. Ah, right? <laughs> no, no, work was – that wasn't what work was for him. Retirement looked very differently for him. And I felt okay. So some people will have this sort of thread, I'm going to continue what I want to do in my career. In my career. A lot of people are like, I'm never doing that stuff again. Yeah. And actually, I know quite a few people, and I never want to do that again. But this is for the people that then, I don't want to do that, but now I'm here in my mid-60s, and I don't know what I want to do, but I don't want to just sit and watch TV for eight hours a day. And that really is why I wrote the book. we yeah. got to think about the rhythms and structuring life to figure out, 
gosh, I've got 20 or 30 years here, right? What what does this look like? And going through that process, I think, is important. Yeah, and Jeff, maybe we can kind of wrap up and talk a little bit just for a moment or two, touching on the second half of the book, part two, which says wisdom. Even that, what you were just saying there, the, the very first part, time, talks about that. I think there was a part in the chapter of time where somebody went on vacation, came back, and like, okay, uh, now I have all this time. Like, or, or that a question becomes, so how's retirement? Like, like you know, people realize your life is different. It's paced differently. The schedule might be different. And you really do, have, unless you really love sleeping or something, even then, the, the sense of purpose keeps coming back to the surface. And how are you going to fill that time? It becomes a, I don't call it a problem, but something like that. So did you share your thoughts on, on that part of how wisdom and time uh, come together and, and the other things? You had health in there and learning and some other things. Well, yeah. So the second half of the book is really about wisdom, and that's what I think is that core contribution of elders in your society is people of wisdom that have accumulated this over time. And so I talk a little bit about what does this mean for our family and how are we people of wisdom for the sake of kids, grandkids, even extended family to be nieces and nephews. What does it look like to mentor and really develop good friendships? What does it look like for us to keep learning and growing as people that are called on for wisdom in our society? And then I did talk a little bit about, as you said, time, this idea almost like, gosh, for so much, for so long in the career, even the years of raising family, I didn't have enough time. Everything was crazy and frenetic. And then all of a sudden, whoa, there's a lot of time here. What does this look like? It's almost a burden. Um, And I think thinking about what that looks like, again, I think that rhythm of work and Sabbath rest, whether that be day, uh, six days and one day of rest or that season, it really helps to bracket that time, right? Because if if everything is rest, right, it does become a burden. But if it's in this proper rhythm between work and rest, it actually aligns with how the very universe was made. And so thinking about that, thinking about we do have a lot of time, you know, ahead of us, but also, as it says in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I think this is an important thing to think about in retirement. Jeff, the, the very last part on the list in wisdom, the, the last section is the word hope, which is just a, a word that can't be underscored. It's a very powerful word. Your gray box in the hope section in part two of the wisdom uh, says common thought is this season points toward the end versus uncommon hope springs from the empty tomb. And again, are refocusing on what's true versus what may just kind of, you know, r- roll around in your head unless you're being intentional about what does God actually say about this say, this time of my lifetime, the timeline I have on this earth? Yeah, I think it's important for people that are moving to retirement, there's going to be more trips to the, to the clinic or to the hospital, you know, health issues become, uh, loneliness can become a challenge. There's a lot of these different things, right? But I think if, it's not only like the fulfilling things that we do, but the story that we're in is really the good news, is that we don't we don't we don't live actually in the Sabbath day. Christians live first in the dawn of the new creation, the, the day of resurrection. Sunday was when he when he came back, right? And yeah. if we take a look at that, that this is the beginning of a new age. Whether uh, you know you're 30, 50, or 80, and you're about to transition, you know, to the next age, or maybe you live to 100. Who knows, right? Right. That there is this nonstop hope. Right. I actually think that hope is really important um, for what we do. And there's this, uh, I'll, I'll leave it with this. There's an author that really influenced C.S. Lewis. His name is George MacDonald. He said this He said, Age does not all decay, it is the ripening, the swelling of the fresh life within that withers and bursts the husk. Mm. And I think about 
fresh life within that eventually on our last day bursts out the husk into an eternal life. I think that that's what our society needs from the time right there. Amen. And you know, uh, you may find this fun. My dad is uh, just turned 92. He's uh, gratefully in very healthy shape. He's taking care of himself and still does. And uh, he says he's advanced middle age. That's his, uh, that's his, that's how he describes himself. And the truth is he's, he's ministering all the time. And, and I think, I just think that the whole idea of if you're lined up with wanting to be a blessing in this life and serve people, um, then, then you're never really off duty and you can enjoy the entire stretch that God gives you because it's not defined by a job or if how much money or money you, you know, make or don't make, you need money, of course, but but your life isn't has to be like a a, a mountain top and then a valley on the way down or something. It's it's a uh, probably continuing to increase, you know. And it, it, the more mature you are in your walk with him, and the more your eyes get tuned to see how there are opportunities all around, that then the life of service becomes so fulfilling. Because um, I think you even put that in the. There was one part in the book where uh, one of the people you had quoted said something. I was maybe I think it was a surgeon who said right something about why he didn't retire because. Because service was so fulfilling, he actually—that's why he goes to work still because it, it, be, yeah. it beats the beats the alternative. Well, he says it's more. Well, he quoted Jesus. He says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so, whether he's giving money or giving to a nonprofit board, his time, or whether he's giving to his work, he says he gets more blessings by giving than by receiving. And so that's why he gives. Yeah, pretty simple. That's good. Well, and and I love the fact that your t- the book itself is very simple. The uh, the the table of contents. All one words, you know, renewal, wisdom, and every chapter is one word. So it's nice and straight and easy to cut through the clutter of the, of the day and get folks focused. So uh, thank you for, for writing it, Jeff, and for taking time to talk with us today. Thanks for having me. Jeff Heenan, author of An Uncommon Guide to Retirement. Love having folks on who have wisdom to share. Uh, you can get the podcast, by the way, of today's show within the hour at WFIL.com on our homepage as all our uh, podcasts go. So check those out anytime. Feel free to tell a friend about the program too, if you would, and spread the word. Hopefully it can be a blessing to more folks. We'll pass the baton now to Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries. He leads in prayer next. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.